Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, where we talk about all things related to post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress. This means the content of this podcast can be graphic, and if you suffer from PTSD or complex PTSD, keep in mind you could become triggered. If that happens, stop the podcast immediately and take care of yourself. You can always come back and listen later. I'm the guinea pig here, and it is my life I examine on Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. It is my hope that my trials and tribulations, successes and failures, will somehow compel you to examine your life and discover your gifts. Socrates exclaimed, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. This is a call to action for all of us. As a clinical social worker, this was my trade, my vocation. From personal experience, I can tell you, without a doubt, that what you don't know can hurt you. My entire life, I have been compelled to support and encourage people to grow, to boldly look within and courageously examine their lives. Shine your light onto those dark spaces and the solutions you seek will reveal themselves. Now sit down, relax, and listen. Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. Hello and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, Living with Complex Post-Traumatic Stress. I'm your host, Ray Erickson. Well, since I last published episode 28 on June 3rd, life has been uneventful, to say the least. Now, that's actually to say the most. That is, if you don't count being depressed as an event. If you do, then a lot has been going on. I'm not here to give you a big sob story, but I need to impress upon you listeners that depression is real. I know I am probably speaking to the choir here, and and you may know exactly how life can slow down to a crawl and drag on for days and weeks and even months. Depression, you know, is the leading cause of mental illness in the world. In 2020, 27.8% of American adults claim to be struggling with the symptoms of depression during the pandemic, and we're not even over this pandemic. And over 300 million people suffer from depression worldwide. I put a link in the episode description where you can get more information about depression around the world. Depression makes it real hard to create, and for me, that means writing. So it may go without saying, I have not gotten much writing in over the past month or so. I consider myself fortunate that I was able to put together an episode for June 3rd. So I don't really know how this is going to turn out this week, but I need to put something together. This is the third time I've begun this episode, and each time it started out completely different, even though... I knew I would be talking about depression and loneliness and lethargy and sadness. Lots and lots of sadness. I know this may not sound like a great podcast today, but but I promised you all that I would talk with you about life with complex post-traumatic stress. And part of living with complex post-traumatic stress is living with depression. Hopefully, I will not bore you to tears, although... If you needed to cry and you do, then that's all the better for you. As you know, I try to keep things 
on the upbeat here at Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, but when you're slogging through the swampy mire that is depression, it can get pretty darn dark and murky in there. Also, since I never really know what I'm going to end up with by the end of the episode, I'm not sure where this one will go. I'm only hopeful that I provide some light for you. I have all the classic symptoms of depression. Sadness, chronic sadness from the moment I wake to the moment I fall asleep. Tiredness, no energy. And when I do something, anything, I'm exhausted afterwards. Trouble focusing or concentrating. (laughs) Hey, I've got ADD. This is not new. Unhappiness. It's like a heavy knapsack that's also soaking wet. Anger. God damn it. I'm angry as hell. I'm going to be doing more work on this. Irritability. I try not to be irritable. To me, it's a terrible trait. It's not your fault I'm grumpy. Frustration. I give up easily, so I don't feel frustrated that much. But I do feel hopeless. What's the point? Loss of interest in pleasurable or fun activities. That can be summed up with N-M-F-G-O-H. Not much fun going on here. Sleep issues. Too much or too little. I'm still sleeping too much, but I'm feeling more rested of late. No energy. Like tiredness, it's a constant companion. Craving unhealthy foods. (laughs) My diet has been reduced to high-processed carbs, cheese, lunch meat, and granola. I don't have much of an appetite, but when I am hungry, I need to eat as soon as possible with the least possible effort. Ergo, the finger food diet. I'm losing weight, but I do not recommend this approach if your goal is weight loss. Anxiety. This goes without saying. Anxiety goes hand in hand with complex post-traumatic stress. Anxiety is there whether I'm depressed or not. Isolation. And thanks to COVID-19, I have had very limited time with other homo sapiens, which, as you also know, is not a good thing when you're depressed. There you have it. There is the synopsis of the last two weeks. As a result, the casita is quite literally a dusty, hairy mess. Thanks to Don Gato. I have neither the desire nor the motivation to do anything about it. I am missing Patricia, the Tico who has been helping me with household chores. She's been recovering from surgery, and I can't wait for her return, even though she may demand a bonus because of the condition of the casita. Oh, don't get me wrong, I'm not a slob. But I'm also not a neatnik either. I fall somewhere between sloven and decrepit, if that helps you get the picture. You all, you know, the big day for me was driving into Santa Ana with a friend of mine last Friday. We had to do a supply run. Our objectives were Price Mart, a.k.a. Costco, and Automacado, a grocery with a lot of gringo-approved items like Johnsonville brats. These supply runs are an all-day affair, which includes having lunch somewhere nice, which I really like, but it's pricey as well. That day we stopped at the Tap House Pub, where we each ordered a beer and a hamburger for the bargain price of 20,550 colonas, or about $34. 
My beer was almost $6, but it was a nice local craft beer, and it was worth it. The burger also served as my supper, so I think I got the most out of the meal. Do not think it's cheap to live in Costa Rica. These places are pricey to shop at, you know, Price Mart and Automacado, but it's really worth the trip. And most expats spend a lot of money at these two stores. <laughs> I know I do. I spend way too much money there. But my reward is I get all my creature comforts met and I'm set for a couple of months. It's all very comforting, but the trip wears me out. By the time I returned home and settled back in, it was nap time and I laid down on the bed. The next thing I knew, it was three hours later and nearly dark. I awoke with a start, somewhat dazed and confused, but quickly realized I had slept for three hours. My cat, Don Gato, was nuzzling my hand, reminding me that it was time for his evening pate. I reluctantly got up and dished out the daily portion of canned cat food while Don Gato was anxiously pacing between my legs and crying like a starved toddler. I quickly took care of Don Gato and looked around. The boxes with the day's booty lay unemptied on the dusty floor. Several days of dishes circled the sink and the countertop was cluttered and filthy. I could not stand to look at it. So I retreated to my lair, the bedroom, where I had been virtually living for the past week. My new computer arrived, so I had something concrete and mindless that I could do and began setting up the computer and monitor, which for me is a long, boring process, but a necessary one. My new computer is now up and running, and I have pretty much every document application I need to move forward with my podcast and my life, even if I do spend all day in the corner of my bedroom wasting my days and wasting my nights. I try to be grateful for the little things. This depression feels like it's more than just depression. It's more like a complicated grief, and I'm stuck in neutral. In episodes 20 and 21, I talk about CPTSD and grief. I feel what I'm experiencing today is nothing more than a continuation of the unresolved grief that I've carried nearly all my life. In 2020, the American Psychiatric Association approved a new diagnosis of prolonged grief disorder otherwise PGD. The DSM-5 PGD requires the occurrence of a persistent and pervasive grief response that's characterized by persistent longing or yearning and or preoccupation with the deceased, accompanied by at least three of eight additional symptoms that include disbelief, intense emotional pain, feelings of identity confusion, avoidance of reminders of the loss, feelings of numbness, intense loneliness, meaninglessness, and difficulty engaging in ongoing life. The DSM-5 focuses on the physical loss of a loved one through death, although that is not the only way a prolonged grief disorder can occur. In my case, the loss or losses tends to be me. I'm the deceased loved one. I know I'm not dead, but in the eyes of my family, I am dead. And I've been dead for over 30 years. I was also declared dead by my lover of 15 years when we broke up. 
There have been countless other relationships that have declared me dead over my lifetime. Complex post-traumatic stress had everything to do with this avalanche of loss I have experienced. This includes jobs, co-workers, and who knows who else, but the common denominator has always been me. I've been the one to be excluded. Rarely did I consciously choose to dispatch someone from my life. Even as I talk about prolonged grief, I feel the picture becoming a teeny tiny bit clearer. Yes, I have been killed multiple times in multiple relationships under a wide range of circumstances, and somehow I am still living to talk about it. Who'd have thunk? Now, depression is frequently misdiagnosed when it comes to what I prefer to call complicated grief, which is why so many people fail to get the help that they need. Complicated grief is complicated. It's that simple. Now, how the hell am I going to talk about this stuff without triggering even more grief? That's a good question. Let's see what happens. I'm going to start by taking each of the symptoms of PGD and give you a brief synopsis of how this symptom and or condition is experienced by me. Hopefully, it will all make sense in the end. The loss for me is always the loss of relationship. And that's not through death either. That's just adios, Ray. We're done. Or it's me saying adios, I'm done. These losses consist of the people I have loved in the past, the most poignant being my family. There are many kinds of relational losses in life that are intimately connected to complex post-traumatic stress. The most powerful losses in my life are the love relationships I have formed. There are like five significant love relationships where CPTSD played a significant role. The ending of these relationships has impacted me significantly, probably the most impact of any of my life experiences. They were the most bone-crushing of my losses. There is the individual impact as well as the cumulative impact over time because none of these losses were ever adequately grieved. Now, let's look at the diagnosis here. and uh, we got eight symptoms here. I need to have at least three of the following symptoms. Disbelief. Each of my losses were unbelievable and came as a complete shock, except for my current relationship and marriage. In this case, I made the decision to leave. It doesn't seem to matter who pulls the trigger. Relationship losses are tragic in my experiences. Symptom number two, intense emotional pain. I can't, I can't, hold back. The emotional pain has been nearly unbearable. And at times I've had contemplated suicide in the aftermath of losing the love of someone that I loved. Number three, feelings of identity confusion. I questioned my validity, I had my own worthiness for, for living. I was lower than a snake's belt buckle. Number four is avoidance of reminders of the loss. Not so much avoidance as it is a descent into my hyperactive mind and the replaying of the memories and the trigger events which were the primary cause of the loss. It's rumination after rumination after rumination. Feelings of numbness, number five. I wish I could feel numb. None would be better than this chronic anxiety that runs and pulses through my mind and my body. It's simply exhausting. Intense loneliness, 
this loneliness is profound and balanced only in my relief to not have to interact with others. So I isolate, but my mind is on overdrive with obsession after obsession after obsession. Meaninglessness. Life loses meaning completely, which is why I began the podcast. I needed to find some meaning for my life, and I figured, what the heck? Maybe my fucked up life will do somebody some good. And eight, difficulty engaging in ongoing life. This is the point of inertia where I currently sit, firmly upon my buttocks, and therein lies the key to recovery. As you can see, there is plenty of evidence to suggest that this depression I feel is not just depression. It's complicated grief. Uh, What the fuck do I do now? I can't just do simple grief. No, I need to do complicated grief. Jesus Christ, when will this end? Seems like everything in my life has been one big slippery slope. Wah, wah, wah. Hey, I don't mean to whine, but you must appreciate the irony here. Maybe this is true for you as well. How often has life seemed to be going uphill, and how often does it seem to be going downhill? Seems like mostly uphill to me. Even when I'm going downhill, it still feels like I'm going uphill. Does this make any sense to you? This is just a general impression I have of life. You strive, you achieve, you slide downhill, and you do it all over again. If this crap is going to happen over and over and over again, then I ought to do something about it. And that I intend on doing. The first thing is to figure out where I'm stuck in the grief process. As you know, I've analyzed my situation quite a bit. I keep coming back to anger. I'm stuck in anger. You know, stage two of grief, the one right after denial. That doesn't mean I haven't been bargaining. I have been. It's just that all my efforts to bargain the loss have failed, and it ends up me who dies. You know that I have plenty of depression, especially lately. I've been down that road many times. I am not in denial, though, because I see the dynamics clearly. So that leaves me with anger. I must be stuck in anger. God damn it. Fucking anger. I hate it. Anger has been the bane of my existence. It rarely turned out good when I've been triggered. I can only think of one instance where getting triggered worked out in my favor. This was way back when I was a senior at Western Michigan University, and my friend and roommate suggested we go smelt fishing. We didn't have any gear, but he confidently told me that's not a problem. We can just go and use some gear that has already been set up, and if someone hassles us, we say it was our grandfather's gear and we have permission. Hmm. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Smelt dipping, as it is commonly referred to, occurs at night in the cold Michigan rivers between March 1st and April 30th. It is extremely popular, and the tiny little fish, when cooked to perfection, are a finger-licking good meal. So off we go. Our destination was the Rifle River in northern lower Michigan. We were both familiar with the rifle, as I had canoed it, and my friend had been there smelt dipping in the past. We were both psyched. Well, we arrived at the parking lot, which is packed. And fortunately, we found a place to park. It had been dark for about an hour, and we figured the smelt dipping should be getting good. 
we worked our way upstream searching for an abandoned setup where we could poach our smelt. We were fortunate in that we found such a setup after a short while, and my friend, being the smelt-dipping expert, set the net into the river and we began our wait. We were both anticipating a monster catch and a week's worth of deep-fried smelt during exam week. It was a perfect way to reward oneself for studying so diligently. Well, there were not many smelt at the time, so he and I relaxed with a joint and a beer, soon followed by a cigarette. It was a particularly good evening so far. Then things changed. A group of young adults, like my friend and I, approached us with menacing looks in their eyes. The leader of the group asked us if we knew whose rig we were using. My friend pipes up with no less than a threatening attitude and says, Yeah, we know who owns this rig. It's my grandfather's rig, and he gave us permission to use it, so fuck off. At that time, the group of four to five guys looked at each other, and they looked at us, and the steely-eyed leader said, Bullshit. This is my grandfather's rig, and you two had better get the hell out of here before we kick your asses. Friend and I looked at each other. And then we looked at the group of four to five healthy young men, and we took off running as fast as we could get back to the parking area. Close on our heels was this group of shouting banshees who were screaming threats to dismember both of us. I could feel them gaining on us, and it seemed to me like we were doomed. They were nearly on top of us when I decided to stop, turn and face the warring horde, and challenge them to kick our ass or fuck off. This totally stunned the group, who screeched to a halt about ten feet in front of us. My friend and I posed our most imposing posture possible with fire in our eyes. We stared them down until the leader spoke. Hey, man, we just want you out of here. We don't want any trouble. And they all turned around in unison and proceeded to return to their fishing rigs. My friend and I looked at each other, shrugged our shoulders, and walked casually back to the car. This is one of the first times I remember being triggered, and my anger taken over my mind. I suddenly took on an enormously powerful persona, confident, determined not to fail, and a little bit dangerous. Not like an altar or anything like that, but suddenly I became invincible and powerful. I was willing and committed to kicking all of these assholes' asses, and I can't explain it any other way other than these guys must have thought I had lost my mind. And in some ways, I did lose my mind, as well as my fears and insecurities. They vanished for a moment. The group of guys certainly did not want to take on a lunatic. Meanwhile, I was calm. My friend could not believe it. I could not believe it. We actually made it out of there without getting our asses kicked. When we got back to the car, we smoked another joint and drove back to Kalamazoo. We had a rollicking good time all the way home. This was one of dozens of trigger moments where most of the time the results was a lost job, a lost friend, a lost lover, a lost life. Most of the time, anger has not benefited me in the least. This is what makes this awareness so challenging. Is it possible that by expressing my anger in a therapeutic way, I can create an environment where my brain can process those experiences of extreme vulnerability that I experienced as a child? I don't know. The jury is still out on this, and I will need to have some practice runs to see if I can function without the terror of being triggered, threatening to overtake me. I used to have a recurrent dream as a child where I was being chased by a snowball. 
that kept growing and growing and growing until it was the size of a house and just about to run me over. That's when I would wake up. I like to think about that night on the banks of the Rifle River where I turned away a near-death experience using my true strength and power. Wow. I don't know what to say after that. Maybe I should just wrap it up and call it done. Thanks so much for listening. Please forgive me and my inconsistencies. I'm sure you understand. I want to thank my sponsor also, Out of My Mind Art, where you can shop until you drop. Stop by www.outofmymindart.com and check out my Etsy shop. If you are so inclined, please rate, review, and or comment on these platforms that allow you to do that. And please don't hesitate to write me an email at ray at rayerickson.com. I will get right back to you. If you, not, if you have not shared this podcast, please help spread the word about Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, living with complex post-traumatic stress. So, until the next time, be courageous, be strong, and be calm. I'll catch you later. Bye.